Well, someone approached me this morning and said, Ross, I see you're preaching this morning. I said, really? How do you know? They said, because you've got your school uniform on. <laughs> there you go. Um, if I may begin, uh, with, by way of reminder, last week, Callum started his sermon uh, by saying that we might be expecting to hear a, a miserable Scotsman giving a guilt-inducing sermon on giving, which fortunately won't be relevant for us. Well, this week, you might be coming thinking that instead of Rossman Gavin speaks on how best to love the church, you'll get disgruntled staff member browbeats the church into doing more serving. Well, that's what I've tried to avoid today, and let's, we need to pray as we open up God's Word. This is um, a hard passage um, for us, but also one that's full of grace. So we need God's Holy Spirit um, to speak to us as we come to it. Let's pray and ask God for his help. Father God in heaven, we pray that as we open up your word, as we hear your voice this morning, that we would not harden our hearts. Please, Lord, by your Holy Spirit, give us soft hearts. Give me a soft heart to hear this message and to respond in faith. In Jesus' name and for his glory we pray. Amen. Well, when you think about loving the church, what is the first thing that comes to your mind? It could be praying for the church. It could be making decisions about serving the church. It could be giving to the church, as we thought about last week. But this morning, I want us to focus on the best way to love the church. Well, what is that? During the Second World War, King George VI was a symbol of courage and fortitude for the British people. He stayed in London during the Blitz. He uh, visited the troops on the front line. And he delivered powerful speeches which were broadcast to his people over the radio. You might have seen this in the film, uh, The King's Speech, where he's uh, played by Colin Firth. It was a really good film. I think Colin Firth won uh, Best Actor at the Oscars that year for his performance. But what you see in the film, as we think about the history, is that it was the king's voice which inspired people. As they heard his voice coming into their homes, speaking directly to them, well, they felt able to carry on fighting the fight. Bishop J.C. Ryle, a former bishop of uh, Liverpool, uh, in his book on holiness, which you can get on the bookstall for just a pound, said that the Christian life is a bit like a war. It's a bit like a war. It's marked by peace without, but war within. And you, you know this yourselves. The Christian life can be like a war, fighting against the devil and his distractions and temptations, fighting against sin, that old enemy which still grips our hearts and entices us to taste, against the war against persecution and opposition for Christians. And I know that there are, are times 
when getting out of bed in the morning feels like a war. Even in our daily lives, life can feel like a real struggle, can't it? And these struggles, they carry over into the church. The church is marked by spiritual warfare. The temptation is to just give in, isn't it? To lay down arms and say, do you know what? This being a Christian thing, this, this sticking together as a church, well, it's not for me anymore. It looks much more comfortable over there not being a Christian. If I just make these concessions, well, I could live so much easier. All my friends, they don't have the struggles that I have as a, a Christian, so maybe I should just, just give in. Maybe as St. John's, we should just pack up and go home. So the thing we're going to see this morning is that we need our king's voice. We need to hear and listen to our king's voice so that we can carry on the fighting. If we are God's army, the thing we need to do is to remind one another of what he says so that we don't drift off into unbelief. That's what I want us to see this morning, is that the best way to love the church is to listen to God's voice so that you can exhort or encourage one another and carry on fighting to the end. Hold firm uh, the faith that we had at the beginning. Well, first of all, let's think about listening to God's voice. If you've got your Bibles open, that'll be uh, quite helpful. We're in Hebrews chapter 3. This is where God's going to speak to us or speak to us from today. It's on page 1202 if you're looking for it now. And we'll start at verse 7. Look at verse 7 with me. So as the Holy Spirit says, as God says, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the desert when your fathers tested and tried me and for 40 years saw what I did. That's why I was angry with that generation. And I said, their hearts are always going astray. They have not known my ways. So I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. You see, hard hearts don't listen to God. Hard hearts don't listen to God's voice. This is uh, an extract from Psalm 95. Um, which is, it starts out as a psalm of praise, praising God for what he's done, and then finishes off with this warning. That's what we're going to get this morning. It's a grace-motivated warning. It starts off as a psalm of praise, and then finishes off as a warning. It reminds us of God's people being rescued from Egypt, and what God um, has done from them, how he's rescued them. You'll, you'll remember the story, won't you, of the Exodus, where we, with mighty signs and wonders, he brought his people out of Egypt. He parted the Red Sea. They were led through by God's man, Moses, and led on their way to the promised land. But then on their way, they begin to grumble. They begin to say, oh, this is hard, isn't it? This is too hard. I wish we could go back to Egypt. I wish God hadn't rescued us. Why have you brought us out of Egypt, out of our comfortable slavery in Egypt? 
on our way. I wish we could go back and eat some of those delicious cucumbers again. Why can we not go back there? Why do we have to eat this bread which God miraculously provides for us daily? Why do we have to eat all this meat which God miraculously provides for us? Why, are you, why do we not have enough water, Moses? Why is God not doing, not giving us what we want? They're putting God to the test. They're not listening to his voice. Verse 8 and 9, you see, they, they do this for 40 years. They test and they try God. Well, how are they, they testing and trying God, you might, I mean, you might think? Well, it's his patience they're putting to the test. His patience. Lots of us here um, have children, or uh, you, I'm sure you know some children, or you've got children in your family. And really, the people of Israel, they're being like children who persistently harp on at their parents about having something, even though they've already been given a good thing. My dad uh, used to call me the dripping tap because I was the master of this. You know, you've been given something, you say, I just want that little bit more, that little bit extra. You say, Dad, can I have that? Dad, 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 can I have that? Dad, Dad, have you given it yet? Can you get it? They're like this. And then my dad will turn around and say, Ross, you're really trying my patience. Of course, I'm not like that now. Um, but they're trying God's patience, aren't they? Hard hearts. They don't listen to God about what he's already done. If you read through Exodus and Numbers, you see God says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of slavery. I've rescued you with my righteous right hand. Look at all I've done for you. Well, they don't listen to his voice. He says, look, I've rescued you, now I live like this. He speaks to them, he gives them his word, he gives them the law, he gives them the best way to live their lives. They don't listen to his voice. They focus on the negative rather than the positive. And you'll know this yourself in your own lives. It's much easier to focus on the negative, isn't it? It's much easier to focus on what we don't have. What God hasn't given us, the promise that he hasn't fulfilled, the thing that I want that God has not yet delivered on, that promotion in work, that child, that relationship, that little breakthrough that we've just been looking for that's seemingly not coming. See, as we focus on what we've not got, rather than what we do have, what God has said and given, we're cultivating idols in our hearts, we're cultivating hard hearts. See, it's not instantaneous, this, this hardening of heart. It was for, for 40 years in the, in the desert that the Israelites tested God's patience. And that's the same for us. It's, it's a persistent, long, over time, hardening of our hearts to what God says. That is the danger um, for us. And look at verse 10, look what happens. God is angry with that generation. He's angry that they've hardened their hearts. That's why I was angry with that generation. I said, their hearts are always going astray. And they have not known my ways. So I declared on oath, in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. And they didn't. If you read Numbers, the, the, that generation did not enter God's rest. They all die in the wilderness. They all die outside of the promised land. So we too, brothers and sisters, must watch our hearts. Careful that we do not harden our hearts because hard hearts do not listen 
to God. At St. John's, we're, we're fairly hot on Bible teaching, aren't we? We like a good sermon. We like a good Bible study. We encourage and exhort one another. We, we say, yeah, let's go and read the Bible one-to-one. Let's go and do these things. But how much have we really heard God's voice? When you hear preaching from the front, you think, yes, that was a good sermon. Perhaps not when I'm preaching, but you know, when, when Andy's preaching, you know, that was a good sermon. Or Ben, that was a good sermon. Callum, that was a good sermon. Matt, that was a good sermon. We kind of evaluate the sermon, don't we? We critique the sermon. We think, yeah, you got the passage right there. Yep, the applications were right for me there. Yeah, the illustrations were wonderful there. But have we really listened to God's voice? Is it making an impact on our hearts? Are our hearts soft enough to hear? Here are two possible responses uh, we might have. We might be hearing but not doing. Hearing but not doing. When you hear the, the preaching, are you changed by it? Are you really applying the application or do you think in your mind, yep, that's a good application. That's really spoken for me. That's really topical for me. But then in the week, well, you you completely forget about it. You just go about your your daily life and, and carry on. How much have we been changed by the preaching and teaching of God's word? Hearing but not doing. Uh, The second response might be hearing but not believing. Hearing but not believing. See, if you, if you hear the Bible teaching here, and we're, we're fairly hot on Bible teaching, aren't we? We love being an evangelical church and holding out the word of life. But if you hear the Bible teaching here and you're offended by it, well, then there's a problem with hard-heartedness. You're not listening to God's voice. So as Andy taught through Micah, and we'll return um, to Micah, were you uncomfortable with the thought of a God of wrath? God who might punish people for sin? Or as Ben taught us last week about holiness. Do you think that's, that's just too high a standard for me to follow? Ben, that's being, that's being legalistic, Ben. I'm, I'm more of a grace Christian. I don't want to, to make decisions about holiness. I want to make decisions for me because Jesus has set me free from that. Or as Callum taught last week about giving. Maybe you felt I can see that, but maybe that's for some other people, but maybe the church are just out for a cash grab. You see, if you reject what the Holy Spirit says, and it is the Holy Spirit speaking in the Bible, you've got a problem with hard-heartedness. You've got God in your image, not a relationship with God. If God can't challenge what we think, well then, well, then he's no God at all, is he? If this is you, then hear the warning of this passage, friends, brothers and sisters. Don't harden your heart. Well, why is this a problem? It's because it's bad for your spiritual health. Hard hearts become sinful, unbelieving hearts and then turn away from God and ultimately don't enter his rest. Look at verse 12. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you, none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. When I was in school, um, I had a group of Christian friends. Their names were uh, Matt, Tony, Gary, and Ryan. And then there was me, so there were five of us. 
and uh, we had some really great times together in the, in the Christian Union, um, having all the kind of fun that teenagers get up to. I'm sure those of you with teenage children or those who are about to be know the kind of things that they can get up to on these uh, kinds of weekends, you know, jumping in big piles of balloons and buy, buying pellet guns and all that kind of stuff. And uh, We had some really lovely times together, praying together, hearing the word together, singing God's praise together. Not only Gary and I are still Christians, are still following Jesus. This is the warning for us. Hearts don't get hard overnight. For each of my friends, Matt and uh, Ryan and Tony, there wasn't a point where they said, nope, God's not for me anymore. There wasn't a point where I sort of, a, a light bulb moment where they thought, I'm just not going to follow God anymore. I'm going to do this instead. Rather, it was more like a, a gradual giving in, a concession here, a concession there. I'll just do this, maybe just at once, and then I'll do it again. And all the while, their hearts are just scabbing up. They, they were a bit like the, the thorny ground in the parable of the sower. You know, they sprang up with joy initially, and then gradually they, they withered and died. You see, for, for Ryan, it was his, um, his career. You know, he wanted to just progress as much as he could in his career. He doesn't, he doesn't mind, you know, if he has to do things which are slightly unethical. He just wants to get up that ladder. And it was his girlfriend as well. He's now living with his, uh, his girlfriend uh, before they're married and doing all the things which come along with that. Well, for Tony, it was, it was just a good life, a comfortable life, a good time. He, he liked, liked a, a drink. He liked getting on the beers. Um, he liked uh, partying. He, he liked things, he liked material things, he just wanted to have a comfortable life. And gradually, that, those priorities overtook hearing God's voice. Well, for, for Matt, it was just, it was sex, it was apathy, he just went after girls, that was his thing, his heart went after girls, he listened to them rather than listening um, to God, and their heart, they hardened their hearts to God's word, and they fell away from the living God. I'm sure each of us can think of friends, family, who have done this. And this is the danger of hard-heartedness. It's a danger for us. See, it's not just a danger for those who we can think of who have done it. It is a danger for me and for you. If we stop listening to our king's voice, we'll start listening to someone or something else. Our hearts will turn away after idols. Our hearts will become hardened and scabbed over. And eventually, we'll fall away from sin. How are you enjoying the sermon so far? <laughs> Maybe you're thinking right now that, um, oh, I thought we weren't going to get disgruntled staff member Ross. <laughs> Where's the grace? Where's the grace that you were talking about at the beginning? Well, here it is. How did God's people get into the wilderness? God rescued them from slavery. It wasn't anything that they'd done. They didn't free themselves from Egypt. God acted. God saw. There wasn't anything that in them that he saw which was more appealing to him than any other nation. He could have left them in slavery but he is a faithful God. He had promised that he would rescue them. He promised he would be faithful to them, and he was. He rescued them from slavery. They were saved out of their slavery. God rescued them, and now he asks them to respond in faith by listening to his voice. 
And friends, brothers and sisters, you and I have been rescued by God. If you are in Christ, you have experienced God's grace. He has rescued you out of sin. Jesus, he's, he's led us through the waters. He's parted the sea of God's judgment and led us safely through to the other side. If you're a Christian, you have been saved. You have tasted of God's grace. Not by listening to God's voice, not by doing anything ourselves, but by following the word who became flesh and dwelt among us. But don't forget the warning, brothers and sisters. Here, experience God's grace. Don't forget the warning. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Let me just give a, a brief word of encouragement to those who may be thinking right now that you're struggling with assurance, you're struggling with, Ross, am I going to fall away from the living God? I'm worried that there's persistent sin in my life. Perhaps I have a, a hard heart. Well, look at verse 10 and see what God says. He says, their hearts are always going astray. Their hearts are always going astray. You see, remember God's, God's, remember God's grace to you in Christ. Nothing can take you away from him. It's not just a, a momentary relapse into to sin or temptation or, or apathy that, that meant that the people in Israel could, or of Israel could not enter God's rest. It was persistent rejection, persistent hard-heartedness. So here there's an encouragement for those of us who might be thinking, Ross, am I going to fall away from the living God? Hear about God's grace. Hear God's voice. And let that warm your heart. But how does this relate to our love for the church? Surely my listening to, to God's voice. Well, that's something personal, isn't it? Look at verse 13, what it says. Encourage yourself daily. No, encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's uh, deceitfulness. We're meant to encourage one another, exhort one another. So the word there is really strong word of encouragement to, to, to plead with, to beg, to encourage, to pull along with you. It's a really um, strong word that the writer to Hebrews uses. And do you notice it's one another? It's not just the, the preachers who have some sort of priestly ministry in St. John's. It's, it's everyone here. If you're in Christ, this is a work for you. This is a ministry for you. It's a, a ministry of the pew. It is a ministry of the word. You're the ones who share with one another daily because Andy, as great as he is, he's a finite person. I am a finite person. Matt is a finite person. Callum, all the preachers here are finite people. We cannot, we could not possibly do this work amongst all of you. We need you um, to, to do this with us. And how often should you, should you do this to love the church? How often? Should we do it on a Sunday? Maybe once on a, a Wednesday? No, daily. Look at verse 13. I can't encourage one another daily. As long as it's called today. Well, every day is called today, isn't it? Today is today, and tomorrow we'll say it's today, and the day after that we'll say it's today, won't we? Every day is today. So encourage one another daily. Do this every day. Why not grab someone from your small group at the end and, uh, and arrange to meet up together to, to read the Bible? Why not send someone a text to encourage them? Say, keep going. Remember the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Why not have people over to your place? And, uh, and encourage them. 
uh, to do this daily. Exhort one another daily. Now, is this, um, there, there are a few responses um, to this that we might see. Um, I want to encourage each of us to be like rugby players as we think about this. Right? Some of you may have seen the Six Nations yesterday, and I'll not mention the results, um, because I assume that we all uh, know that Ireland beat England 13-9. <laughs> Sorry, Tom. Be like, be like a rugby player, right? Why am I encouraging you um, to be like a rugby player? Well, it's because we're all responsible for each other. On the rugby pitch, we're all responsible for each other. Actually, I want to say you should be more like the forwards in the scrum. Um, some of you will know what that is. Some of you, uh, the Americans particularly, won't know what that is. Um, it's where eight men, eight people get together and they all bind up and they're all pushing forward to one, towards one goal of winning the ball back. They bind up arms, they drive forward. They're all different shapes and sizes. They're all different skills, they're all different backgrounds, but they, they work together. They're responsible for one, to one another. We've got a saying in the rugby club, which is train together, gain together. Stick together, you make the gains. You see, in the same way, Christians are responsible for one another, for our faith, for each other's faith in the church. We should be like rugby players. Because the typical response, well, there are some typical responses here. The first is that you might be a fence sitter. You might be here today and you're unsure about whether or not this, this Jesus character is for you, kind of on the fringes of things in church. You don't really know um, too many people here. But hear this message. Listen to God's voice. Hear him calling you to follow Jesus. Hear his gracious invitation to intimacy with God. Hear how he has loved you in Christ as Christ gave himself up and died for you so that you could know God. The work is finished. The exodus is complete. Will you follow him? This is, this is me exhorting you, encouraging you to hear God's voice so that you can do the same uh, with others. Perhaps you're more of a lone ranger. Perhaps you prefer to hear God's voice on your own. You come to St. John's, you enjoy being in here, you enjoy the preaching and teaching ministry, but perhaps you, you make it, you intentionally arrive late after the service has begun, you intentionally leave just as the service has finished. Or perhaps you prefer listening to God's Word in, in podcast form or on uh, reading books or Bible study notes. Rather, you prefer that to, to personal interaction. Well, if I'm a rugby player and I'm in the scrum, there's no way I'm taking on the opposition scrum all by myself. I'm listening to, it's one versus eight. It's an unfair fight. I'm going to get minced. Christians need other Christians. We need other Christians. Those who, who don't have close friendships in church or with Christians, those who don't have close Christian friendships, they're the ones that we're most worried about falling away from the faith. So what should you do? Well, well join a small group. Take the opportunity to come to, to Wednesday Central. Make, get to know some people, some of your brothers and sisters in Christ. Get to know some people in church. Exhort, and exhort them to hear God's voice and be exhorted to do the same. Make it your goal to hear God's voice today and respond in faith and action. Well, there's another response, which is the sacrificial server. Now, the sacrificial server is someone who does so much in church that they don't have time to listen to God's voice. And I want to say that if you're the sacrificial server 
thank you so much for all that you do in church. I don't want to discourage you from joyfully serving the Lord's people. But if we think about the rugby team again, well, this person's too busy in the gym hitting the weights to come and get stuck into the scrum. They're too busy sweeping the changing rooms to come and play. Serving's a good thing. It is a good thing. Don't hear me say serving's a bad thing. But don't forget that you need the word too. You need to be encouraged. You need to be exhorted. You need people to come and grab you and pull you along and help you. So perhaps an application for the servers is to think about whether your service is taking you away from opportunities to hear God's voice. I would love it if every person here could think of themselves as a scrummaging Christian, one who binds up with others in the church and pushes forwards towards the goal, continues to encourage one another, someone who's responsible for each of their teammates. But what's the goal that we're pushing towards? What's the thing that we're focused on? What's the focus of our loving the church? Well, it's so that we can share in Christ at the end. Look at verse 14 in your Bibles. We've come to share in Christ if we hold firmly till the end the confidence that we had at first. Now, last week, Ben uh, brought with him a time machine to church in his sermon. Some of you will remember this. Um, and imagine Ben's brought his time machine back. He's downstairs doing followers at the minute, so he's lent it to me. And it's, it's up here. And we get in and we go back to when you first became a Christian, when you first trusted in Christ. If you have trusted in Christ, what are you like? Much younger, some of us. Full of zeal and passion for the church and the Lord Jesus Christ. A prayer warrior, a lover of the word. Well, like anything in life, we can start well as Christians and then just drift a bit. Prayer becomes a duty rather than a delight. Serving becomes a grind rather than a joy. What about listening to God's voice? See, the prayer request, when I pray with people, the thing that tends to come up most often is more discipline in Bible reading and prayer. I find this difficult, don't we? Is that you? It's difficult to, to hold on to the confidence that we had at first, isn't it? It's easy to kind of just drift, do the set and forget Christian thing, just let things kind of go on a bit and just slide. It's difficult to to keep going, to keep pushing on. That's why we need one another's exhortations. We need one another's encouragement. As a Christian, you'll only hold on to the end if someone else is holding on to you. Others will only hold on if you're holding on to them. We need to bind together like the scrum. Keep pushing on. So what are you going to do to do this? You might be sitting thinking, yeah, this is well, you know, this is a great sermon. I didn't want to say that too prematurely, but you might be thinking, yeah, Ross has nailed this passage. He's given me some really good things to think about. And then you go out and you have your lunch and you start thinking about work for the week. That's what I'm, I'll do. That's what I would do. That's easy for me to do. I'll leave the, the church and think, right, what have I got to do the rest of the day? Are my kids okay? Um, do I need to go and spend some more time with Emma? What have I got to do in work to get ready for the next little bit? When am I going to go on holiday? What am I going to do? What are you going to do about this? Let me challenge each of us today to remember the, the grace that God has shown us in the Lord Jesus Christ and to take action. Remember our four ones 
commit to one service, come and be part of the, the morning or evening uh, congregation so that you can encourage people there as you arrive um, and meet people as they're coming in and, and say, how are you getting on? Go past the superficial. Go past the, the, the talk about the rugby at the weekend. Go past the talk about the weather or the holiday or what you're going to do in work. Talk about real things. Talk about your faith. Encourage and exhort one another. Commit to one small group. Come, whether that's on a, a Monday morning, a Wednesday morning, a Wednesday evening. I think there's a Thursday evening one, a Saturday morning. Commit to a small group. If, there's one, if there isn't one at a time that suits you right now, talk to Andy about whether we might start one for, for you and for a group of others. I know that there's a, a group of men who meet on Friday mornings before work. Why not get a few people and say, come on, let's do this. Let's get up at 6 a.m. And, uh, and meet for coffee and breakfast and pray together and encourage one another to keep trusting in Jesus. Everyone to read the Bible with one person. To grab one person and say, yep, yeah, let's encourage one another. Let's open up the word together. Let's hear God's voice together. Let's do this. And one significant area of service, whether that be in the word ministry, in teaching the, the children, in preaching, in leading a small group, one, one significant, or, or somewhere else in, in the music team, one significant area of service. Just imagine if we, we all left here today and did this. Imagine if this was us. What would church be like? If we were encouraging and exhorting one another daily to hear God's voice, what would church be like? It'd be a church full of joy. It'd be a church full of, of hope, full of love for one another, full of love for God, full of intimacy with God, full of spiritual growth, full of spiritual life, full of confidence, looking forward to when Christ returns and we celebrate with Christ forever at the wedding supper of the Lamb as we go and be with Him in His eternal kingdom where there's no more pain or suffering or sadness. Imagine that, church. Well, that's a church I would want to be a part of. How about you? Let's pray. Father God in heaven, we've, we've heard your voice this morning. We've heard your word to us. We pray, Lord, that by your Holy Spirit, by his power, he would make it effective in our hearts and our minds. We pray, Lord, that you would change us, shape and fashion us after the likeness of Christ. Give us his mind. Give us his love for one another and for you. Give us his love for the church. Please, Lord, help us to exhort and encourage one another. Help us to take action at the sound of your voice, to carry on the fight, to carry on until the end, to hold firmly the confidence that we had at the beginning. Lord God, we ask that you would bless us with faith and action in this way, that you might be glorified that your kingdom might be extended in Hampstead, that your church might flourish. In Jesus' name, amen.